0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Resorts, homes and the newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever.
0: We need to be prepared for the future.
1: I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse.
0: What happens when something goes wrong, and
2: how do they respond to it?
1: And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. you must ready.
2: Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure.
1: Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family
0: helping you. Pacific Prepared.
1: Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.
3: Hi, I'm Fred Hooper and this is Pacific Prepared. It's a show all about natural disasters, climate change and traditional knowledge, and how those things are all connected. And you'll hear that through stories from right across the Pacific. Each week we work with local reporters. They're on the ground, letting us know what's happening in this space and what people want to hear about. On today's show, we'll learn about learning, how traditional knowledge of natural disasters is taught to young people in Samoa.
2: The Fango is the story uh, tellers and also the fairy tales and also the stories that they uh, uh, tell us, the oral traditions and oral histories, you know, like uh, uh, myth and legends.
3: Also more on tropical cyclone Lola that made landfall in Vanuatu how UNICEF are ready to help the thousands of people impacted by the cyclone. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared.
0: We need to be prepared for the future. Helping you stay safe.
3: We have
2: built a seawall two times, but it did no good. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it?
1: Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific prepared.
3: Pacific prepared.
1: Pacific prepared.
3: I'm just going to go on a bit of a tangent here to talk about a tiny, tiny bird in the Galapagos Islands that holds a stick or a cactus spine. It holds it with its beak. And it uses it to pry out insects from hard to reach places. And this might sound a little off topic, but the point is these birds have learnt this somewhere. The birds have learnt this, like fish, insects, reptiles and lots more animals, including us, also have the ability to learn. So when we talk about learning and teaching traditional knowledge, that's been learned somewhere and taught by someone. In Samoa, teaching traditional knowledge doesn't happen by accident. It's a role and a job within communities and villages. Actually, hearing some of the stories and information is used as a reward for young people in Samoa. Uh,
2: my name is Mataiao Matiu Taktamatawaitautunu, director of the Centre for Samoan Studies at the National University
3: of Samoa. What sort of understanding have you got around traditional knowledge? And just broadly speaking, how is it? How is traditional knowledge generally handed down to people?
2: Traditional knowledge in Samoa is a. a it's a very uh crucial um, things that pass from generation to generation you know um, you know by our ancestors you know like uh, uh the the arts you know of uh, for example uh, how uh, we build, uh ports for uh, uh, their uh, traveling and also uh, the navigation and by using you know the tide and also the winds, the weather, and you know they applied their uh, traditional knowledge of how they peeled the different kind of uh, canoes and boats that, you know, relevant to different uh, uh, we- uh, uh weathers, you know, um, and also uh, their knowledge of accounting, uh, you know, just the the sea and the weather. Uh, based on their traditional knowledge uh, connecting with the uh, moon and also the sun and also the stars, you know. Mm-hmm. There are specific uh, uh, seasons that our ancestors are passing their traditional knowledge to the young generation that, that is the, um, a specific uh, uh, kind of uh, weather and winds for, uh, you know, that kind of fish, you know, they go fishing at that specific time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also use the uh, traditional knowledge to uh navigate and uh you know uh depend on the uh type of uh seasons like uh you know for example uh when they when we uh, came across the uh the season especially th- this season when we uh waiting for uh, the palolo so uh the the we we had a knowledge from our ancestors that counting um the seven um uh, seven nights after full moon then they counted the seven nights so the, the 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 seven nights and the other uh the next day that will be the uh time to get the palolo
3: what's the palolo what's that
2: the palolo is just the kind of uh, worm fish that you know uh uh we um uh fish it twice a, a year uh in october and november uh it's come from the corals okay, uh, you know right. you know i think that's the uh, uh the offsprings from the uh, the corals every year yeah. so uh, it's people people are past their knowledge of um, uh, saying that in 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 October it is the the most of the Palolo will get from Sava'i Island but for uh, November that is the Palolo season uh, specifically for Upolu mm. yeah. but there are uh, 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 f- uh and changes based on the uh you know the changes nowadays especially when we came across the climate change yeah. you know, when people were using the uh power quads and they're using uh, uh, uh plants' roots to catch fish and also it's making it uh, a coral to die out you know, in the sea and that's why we hardly some of the uh, specific uh, villages that they uh, always get big palolo every year we are uh, no longer kicked it nowadays. In this area of Tomasanga ran from um, uh, Lauli'i to uh, Malu'a and to Fulele. So we, 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 we cannot uh, uh, fish the Pololo from this Tomasanga village, mm-hmm. Tomasanga districts and some of the uh, 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 villages in Samoa. Because, uh, uh, you know, remember the climate change when we use uh, uh, Matau to peel uh, to our wolf so that's why uh, some of the scientists that we were discussing, that that's the main reason why the balolo is no longer get from this area in yeah. Samoa, yeah. um, due to the work of people and also the climate change. Yeah.
3: Are there um, specific methods that Samoans using to pass down traditional knowledge? Like, is there a certain... Mm. You know a certain way that they're doing it, or is it just happening through life? Is it just something that happens naturally uh, as life goes on?
2: Uh, yes, that uh, traditionally that uh, that is a, a role of our parents as our first uh, teachers in the family. So at night uh, they uh, ask their young kids, grand grandkids, and the, to to uh, you know. Do what they uh, want, expect to do, but at night they're telling the Fangomos. The Fangomos is the story uh, tellers and also the fairy tales and also the stories that they, uh, uh, Tell us the oral traditions and oral histories, you know, like uh, uh, myth and legends. Yeah. So that's the way of uh, passing the knowledge from generation to generations through the word of mouth, yeah. you know. And that was the methodology that our ancestors and and parents were passing to the young generations, you know, through the word of mouth, is telling the uh, you know uh, that kind of uh, uh, myth and legends of Samoa. You know, that's past the, the history, not only the history, and so explaining the origin of uh, you know the village name, and also with uh, uh, the mountains in the village, the rivers, you know, and also a, spe- a specific uh, land in the village, you know, uh, rivers and you know pools in the village. So every every river, pools, and every village in Samoa has you know we call it Maesina. Uh, Messina is something that is very important in the history of the village. So, our ancestors will pass that story to the young generation through yeah. the word of mouth. So, uh, and also they consider it as a reward to the kids by, by doing what they were expected to do. Like, uh, you know, tiding the house, you know, collecting the, the rubbish and that sort of things. But at night, that's the reward to uh, give to, to them, is to tell them the uh, our traditions, our histories and also the, uh,
0: the myth and legends yeah. about Samoa uh, thank you uh, Matthew um, talking about uh, traditional knowledge I recall in many years back in Samoa whenever we see birds called atafa it means there will be a cyclone coming why we take this sign are uh, these birds, as a sign of cyclone is this
2: uh, traditional knowledge passed from our ancestors during uh, uh, navigations, it's depend on the you know the when we see the birds like atafa, uh, it tells us that there will be a, a, a cyclone coming. You know different kind of uh, winds like lai uh, and tuha and uh, also laitonga um, so or the the different. Um, the different uh, uh, winds in uh, in Samoa and the different directions, you know, so that's why when the Tua Oloa, Tua Oloa is the uh, wind, uh, uh, the direction from eastern side of uh, Samoa to the western side. So when we see that that's the time that connected with the people uh, believe that when when, when that a uh, uh, wind uh, uh, blew out at that time, so uh, the eastern side of Upolu Island strongly believed that, that the, the wind for uh, that damaged the people's skin and also uh, let the people die you know that and then we when we uh, went the Lai, uh the direction of the La'i from uh, from the west to the east so that's make the uh, coconuts and also the, the, the plants and also animals that you know uh, so it relates, uh, it's the great relation of uh, the action of birds when we uh, saw them at the, this specific time of the year especially in the beginning, the time of the uh, uh, wet season uh, cyclone season in Samoa mm. yeah, from October to uh, 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 April every year so then we'll see uh, most of the are uh, tougher.
3: We're hearing from the Director of Samoan Studies at the National University of Samoa. Pacific Prepared visited the campus with Samoa National Radio 2AP journalist Maui Lutomose.
0: Uh, thank you, Mutiu. You. Um, you know, most of the times in Samoa when it is raining and if there is a cruise ship at the wharf, people always believe that there is a reason why it is the reason why it is raining. Where is that come from? What is your understanding of this knowledge?
2: Yes, you know, at that time of the weather, we we, we think of the, uh, the, the story of about Semalama um, Mailangi, you know, So all the, the, the winds of Samoa that are protecting you, that's a oral tradition about the uh, Taupo the of the... Uh, the total of the two years of in Ali Bata. that's why we call Ali Pata Olimata oh. So it's connect for being a Oloingoa Mai. But at the same time, Oloingoa Mai before Eao Mai, he he travelled Ngoma Tangi. Oloingoa Mai. So the Nungan Faatu. So there's an oral tradition when the, uh, when the, uh, the two many of Faleata went to Ali Pata to uh, uh, find the. Uh, uh, uh the taupo, you know the, the virgin taupo of uh, the, the daughter of the tuyatua uh, to be uh, his wife and then when they saw the, the, the taupo the virgin uh sat in front of the house and they say oh let a, a uh, maybe all all the point of the winds uh, uh you know uh, discovering her and you know that's why she became very uh uh, beautiful you know and then uh, we strongly believe that this kind of the year that all all the the the, the winds were um, you know that's flew from the west that from the east to the west uh, you know our history and our story is the story of the east only so, you know the creation of Samoa we originated from Manua Island from the eastern side of uh, Samoa uh, that's why when, when cruise ship came at this site, uh, uh, you know, all the, 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 the winds, uh, you know, uh, that's the story I heard when we conducted our research you know.
0: Some of the villages, ha- they have their own signs of weather and tide. In my village, every time there is a Tua Oloa strong winds, it means someone will die
2: and it becomes true. What is your understanding of these signs? Where it began? I I came from Alipata. You know, and Alipata, as I mentioned, that Alipata, I mean, uh, Atua, Atua ran from uh, Leusoli to Falealili. And we, uh, this, the strong wind, Tua'olo, always say, Yeah, it took Pueli Mefa Apia. Oh, yeah. Uh, Us in Alipata, once the, uh, we have a a, a sign of Tua'olo, when the big uh, wave hit the rocks, and then uh, the sound of the uh, heat, of the collision that may, uh, people thought that oh maybe next week will be the tua Oloa. and then uh, people will uh, are still aware of you know the strong wind will uh, and they uh, the, they they all aware because they fear of the tua Oloa because you know people will die from there from, from as a sign of the tua Oloa. But the, 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 the oral traditions, you know, and the story behind that. So I have no idea if I wanna.
3: How do you feel about uh, traditional knowledge being passed down in sort of 5, 10, 20 years? Do you think that that tradition of passing down knowledge is still quite strong in your opinion it's 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 very strong when when the traditional knowledge passed down through the words of
2: mouth and also uh, but there are few changes okay. you know uh, uh when we see that the the Simon people uh practice traditional practice nowadays is uh, you know uh, uh there's a big change of the uh, uh like how we serve you know when uh, traditional knowledge passing to uh, the people of how they go fishing, there are specific villages in Samoa that they have their own uh, 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 fish that they look after based on their oral tradition. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the Anai, uh, we call it mallet from Luotuanu'u village. So there is a specific tautai, uh, you know, the fishermen in the village that they, that you know, Tangaloa. Uh, the uh, Samoan traditional god gave them, you know, the roles of uh, 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 catching the and the, the fish, and but now there's a big, big difference. Right. Uh, when people uh, sell the fish to get money, and also, uh, you know, like the traditional practice that the vill- that's the village and the community uh, a role of all together uh, go and get fish and distribute among people f- and families in the village. But now they sell out for money, mm-hmm. and 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 that change, as I mentioned before, that make make the you know now they they no longer get their fish. Uh, most of the villages that they have specific kind of fish. For example, they no longer get it nowadays because they use it to get money. They you know commercialize using of you, you know. A lot of the uh, and that sort of changes that I I noticed that you know the traditional uh, practice and traditional knowledge is they pass from generation to generation, pass from their families into even like for example the tattoo. The tattoo is now uh, spread to uh, uh, so many people. Even the Europeans they got the the Samoan tattoo because of that. That's the changes that uh, made when uh, the, the Europeans arrived in Samoa. But traditionally, their specific family, they have their own uh, tattoo. Uh, you know, that's their uh, ancestors' uh, gift from Tangalore, But now they uh, distribute um, it and anyone can have yeah. a tattoo. And also they uh, give their, uh, uh, the tattoo uh, equipments to some of their friends and people that work with them. And those people uh, continue their work. Ooh. So that's uh, all the changes that yeah. made today.
3: And I mean, and you've got traditional... Tattoos on as well, right? Yes, so yeah. I mean, yeah, must must feel a bit strange to see somebody else
2: mm-hmm,
3: yeah. uh, with you know with a similar pattern on too.
2: Yes, uh, uh, and also I strongly believe that uh, having a tattoo is something that, uh, you know, that's your your way to the uh, uh, how you are gonna serve your family, your village, the community, and also your country. But. The change that I uh, recognize today, uh, people having a tattoo and malu, just to show them off, show off, and also just to uh, wear as in uh, something that, you know, uh, tell the people that, you know, how strong he is and how, you know, instead of having an, a deep understanding of, you know, the role of people having a tattoo and also the different meanings of the tattoo, uh, uh, a design uh, you know, having a link to the uh, environment and also their role that they practice in the community, and also the the country. You know.
3: Thanks to Pacific Prepared reporter and senior journalist with Samoa National Radio 2AP, Maui Lutamose for that interview.
0: Disaster is part of our life, and recovering is also part of our life. As you see, they're smiling despite the devastation. That's how we are.
2: You are listening to Pacific Prepare.
3: Vanuatu is in the recovery stages after tropical cyclone Lola recently. Winds reaching up to 190 kilometres per hour, there was lots of damage. Homes and crops were damaged or completely destroyed and thousands of people have been affected. UNICEF or the United Nations Children's Fund is ready to help when needed. Child Protection Officer Rebecca Ulu spoke with Aggie Tupo on ABC Radio's Pacific Beat recently.
1: Steph, we are, we are on standby to support government and as soon as we are able to uh, get supplies out um, to the affected provinces and the affected islands, we will be doing that. Just to let you know, Aggie, I was on the ground um, in, on two of the most affected islands on Friday last week um, and we were really lucky to have the area administrators on the ground who were able to already have some of that initial understanding um, at the community level in terms of the key key areas. Also based on, on previous cyclones that we have had in Vanuatu, we know uh, and can anticipate some of the needs and so are prepared to release supplies from our warehouse here in Port Vila, as well as um, from our Brisbane warehouse uh, if, there, if there is that need as soon as possible.
0: That's great to hear and you know, when we talk about what someone needs in in an aftermath, I know we're highlighting children. So what is it that children need in the aftermath of disasters like Lola, considering that you had already dealt with Kevin and Trudy? Uh, Trudy?
1: So we know that, you know, children are among the most, some of the most vulnerable people in the community. And, and this is also because, you know, they, they are younger and they depend on adults who are parents, caregivers, their grandparents, uncles and aunties in the communities to meet their needs. Uh, The lack of uh, access to social services, which is something that we've seen in uh, other cyclones as well as this one, because, you know, there's there's flooding, there's uh, roadblocks by trees that have fallen down that has then impacted access to social services like health and like education for children means that children children's health suffers you know children are not able to get their vaccines at the healthcare facilities. When we talk about food security issues, it means that the health and nutrition of pregnant and breastfeeding women is at risk, which then has an impact on the health and nutrition of children under five. In terms of education, um, you know, when the roof of a classroom um, has has blown off, there's going to be a disruption to education services and children are not going to be able to sit in that classroom to learn until such a time as a temporary uh, space is set up. Um, And then, you know, the recovery efforts to get that up and running. So, you know, there are lots of impacts to children during an emergency like this. And I would say that, you know, as, as you've mentioned, this is not the first, you know, this is an out of season cyclone. It was not expected because we were expecting cyclones within the start of the cyclone season, which is tomorrow, but it is out of season. And, you know, it is just eight months from when we had the twin cyclones uh so you know the repeti- repetitive shock uh on on children is is immense
0: yeah and you mentioned in the unicef situation report about child safeguarding and even psychosocial first aid can you maybe please explain and elaborate a little bit on that
1: yeah so we know that you know when there's this repetitive uh, shocks on 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 people and in this case uh children that uh, there's an impact on, on, on children in terms of their psychosocial health. And so uh, one of the key priorities for UNICEF uh, in terms of re-establishing those protection services and those protective factors uh, that help children and families to cope is to support with uh, psychosocial support training for frontliners, psychological first aid for frontliners who will be on the ground to start the response as soon as possible. And these uh, frontliners will include teachers, they will include healthcare workers, They will include child protection officers or social workers uh, to equip them with the the skills and knowledge to be on the ground and to respond to the needs of families. And this is done through, you know, setting up child-friendly spaces, in communities, in schools uh, and working with teachers and healthcare workers and child protection officers to provide really basic kind of counselling but also psychosocial support through use of play um, to be able to help children to, to recover and, and to you know, bring back the, those coping mechanisms to be able to, to get up again and, and to go.
0: Look, I have to just quickly ask, though, how does a parent need to approach those conversations with children around natural disasters, if you don't mind?
1: Yeah, so that's, those, are, those are the tough conversations that need to be had. And, you know, for Vanuatu, uh, you know, a child that's 10 years old now has experienced a Category 5 by the time they were 8 uh, and a category four three years ago, eight months ago, two category fours, now a category five that you know came through Vanuatu. So it is repetitive and it is important, as you say, for parents to have these conversations with children and for teachers in schools to have these conversations uh, as part of the, the teaching curriculum and preparedness uh, and we know that th- with this cyclone it is out of season so you know as we go back into communities and as we're working with the frontliners and with the teachers and parents it's to also not just for the response to the cyclone but it is also about preparedness and the resilience of of children and of communities to be able to spring back from a shock like this so yeah it is important times for for parents to spend time with their children and through song through play through through reading through Uh, Just, you know, basic conversations to be able to, to start talking about these very important topics. And there are parents out there who are already doing that and teachers who are doing amazing work. But, of course, still more needs to be done.
3: Child Protection Officer with UNICEF, Rebecca Ulu, speaking with Aggie Tupo on ABC Radio's Pacific Beat recently.
1: I'm just holding on for dear life here. For women, it's always safety first. They are the first responder.
3: You're listening to Pacific Prepared. This show was made on the lands of the peoples of Stony Creek Nation in Lutruwita, Tasmania. Pacific Prepared is supported with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, National Broadcasting Corporation of Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Fiji and Broadcasting Corporation, Samoa National Radio 2AP, Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation, and Tonga Broadcasting Commission. If you're working on something that's directly related to this program, let us know because we'd love to tell everyone about it. Maybe you've got a story idea, a personal experience to share, a topic to cover, or someone that you think we should meet. The easiest way to get in touch is to search for Pacific Prepared, and then scroll down to the connect with Pacific Prepared section. Part of the aim of this program is to start conversations about natural disasters, climate change, and how traditional knowledge links them all together. My name's Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared.